Welcome to right. <laughs> <laughs> Alright. A uh, boo. Got him. I, I, gotcha. I wanted to see I wanted to see what my peak was. Alright. Welcome to Right Night, a podcast where we do timed writing in response to a prompt, then perform it together. We'll laugh, we'll cry, we'll think, but most importantly, we'll have fun and learn to write along the way. I'm Toby Mananson, and we invite you to ride along with us. Just pause this podcast on my queue and come on back when you're satisfied with what you got. And if you're feeling it, share what you created on our subreddit, our Right Night, where you can read our responses as well. Today we're here with Banny, M, and Graham. Hi, nerds. No. Hey. Oh, what's up, boy? You know, full disclosure, it is 4.19 p.m. In some places and in others, it's not. It's three here. How does it feel being a moron in the wrong time zone? <laughs> Sorry, I've been watching RuPaul's Drag Race. I just assumed that we, we needed drama at the very, very beginning. We'll cut to a talking head of you going, oh, uh, drama alert. Is it, is it fun watching? I haven't, I've never watched an episode of RuPaul's. It's like candy. It's like watching candy. It doesn't give you like a chance to breathe or let go. But it's so fun because like all the all the queens are like at their 150% and that's just so infectious. It's so infectious after a while. They're just like, this is me. And you're like, oh, that is you, isn't it? That's very, <laughs> you're just kind of like in that, you're just kind of in that vibe. So I really enjoyed it. But I, it took me like two episodes to like understand the pacing they wanted me at because I'm, I usually watch like David Attenborough go like the red winged black. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. usually like how I, and so going from there to like sissy that walk, I was, I like had to do one of these a couple times. <laughs> I had to take a, I had to take a, take a few steps back here because uh, they're get, they're kind of, they're choking me out here. There's not a lot of room. I need, I need breathing room. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Wait, anyone has any suggestions for prompts there? Um, I guess that's uh, breathing room. Did we say breathing room? I breathing said breathing room. room. Breathing room, yeah. Okay, so the prompt for this round is breathing room. We got 10 minutes. To y'all listening, now is a really good time to pause, write in response to the prompt, and come back when you're ready. We're doing 10 minutes, but take however long you'd like. So the prompt, one more time, is breathing room. We got 10 minutes in three, two, one, go. Breathing room. All right, I got it. I'm ready. Oh, nice. Thank you, Spellcheck. Thanks, robot. <clears throat> You know, when I only have a vague idea, I just write it as poetry, so that when it is vague, it adds to the uh, mise en scene. Uh, literally, yeah. Actually, in fact, exactly what I'm doing right now. What's the um, What's the part of a boat that is where you poop deck? Where, okay, poop the body deck. of a boat. Yeah, the poop deck. The, okay, <laughs> the deck. Okay, thank you. I I rode crew for three years. I know what I'm talking about. Four minutes. <laughs> this is the worst thing I've ever written. Uh, <laughs> you've You've written some pretty <laughs> pretty garbage. You've written some bad <laughs> shit. <laughs> Franz Ferdinand was uh, World War One, right? Yes. Okay. Come on. It takes everything I have not to like open the documents before we start. I like I'm looking at your doc and I'm like, <sighs> it's like a present. It's, it's so fun. I love writing. It's cr- it's Christmas, bitch. It's Christmas. <laughs> we touched on Christmas last week. That was you too. I think Christmas is like. I'm a I'm a big ho ho ho. <laughs> <sighs> Ooh, yeah, that got me. Uh, that got me uh, feeling a different oh, kind man. of way. Benny, it sounded like you were doing a silly one. Do you want to open? Uh, sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah, here we go, baby. <laughs> All right, why don't you introduce and cast the very first dialogue? Uh, Emily, could you read that? Sure. Graham, could you narrate? And Toby, could you read uh, the uh, Frank dialogue, which is just one line? Without further ado, this is "Breathing Room" by Bannister Chapa. Frank gasped as his head broke through the roof of water. Air, air, juicy, delicious air, crisp and free. He pulled himself up on boat and breathed deeply. What's all this hoot, Nanny? Yelled Maybelle. She gasped when she saw Frank all wet and panting. <gasps> Did you go back in the water, Frank? For as long as he had been alive, Frank had been searching for the mystical land of Atlantis. <laughs> Every day, he dove deeper in search of it. 
He could stay underwater for hours at this point. What's it to ya? He yelled back as he spat up ocean water. <laughs> Maybell laughed and slapped her knee. <laughs> oh, Frank, never change. She lapped up a tongue full of ripe air. <laughs> Taste that gooey, juicy air, Frank. She exclaimed. <laughs> that crunchy, creamy air. This is the true story of Archduke Frank Franz Ferdinand, his rise to power <laughs> and his eventual demise at sea, searching for the lost city of Atlantis. The end. So you just so you just decided to throw every adjective to describe something that by nature has like a very set defined set of physical standards. That's that's amazing. I love that. There were two things I loved about it. The first was the casual drop of Franz Ferdinand at the end. Yeah. <laughs> which was just a, a swing and a hit. And then for our friends listening at home, we can see each other right now. And watching Banny react to us reading <laughs> was like the gift that keeps on giving. That crunchy, creamy air. We talk about the band or the man? Yeah. There's a band? I'm going to be honest and let my dumb show. There's a man too? <laughs> Is it? Archduke Franz Ferdinand's assassination was the beginning of World War Oh, I should know One. this. One. 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 Yes. I, I, I said that only yeah. because Toby gave me a cue. What started World War II is when he found Atlantis, and that, that's what oh, yeah. was kind of... <laughs> well, Hitler had people on land, but he had even more in the sea. <laughs> the Aquanazis. Is there another comedy in the midst? It isn't funny, but it's not particularly sad. It's just neutral. Well, let's just do that one. Yeah. Em, you want to introduce and cast? Benny, can you play number two? Number two, okay. Graham, can you play number one? Got it. And Toby, would you read the stage directions, please? You got it. Without further ado, this is Breathing Room by M. The lobby of a pristine hotel, nighttime. One enters, dressed well but unkempt, trying to keep it together. Hi, I'd like to see if you have a room available, please. Of course. Name? It's, uh, Great, thanks. I, I, I didn't... And how long would you like to stay? I'm really not entirely sure. Of course. That's very uh, typical of uh, same-day requests. Um, okay. One is trying to calm down. No, no, no. Not here. Follow me. They walk down a hallway, two at a brisk pace, one already winded, trying to keep up. Sorry, could you just- Nope. They stop in front of a door. Here you are. Two taps a key to the door, which unlocks with a satisfying clink. Uh, okay. Thank you. One tentatively walks in. The room is empty. What should I do if I'm- well, You'll know. If you need anything, let yourself know. Two exits, leaving one alone. One walks a little further into the room. Silence. One begins to hyperventilate. They begin to cry. They run to the door and try to open it. It is locked. The actor can feel free to take liberties when it comes to how the panic attack is performed, but this panic attack should last four full minutes. The attack reaches a height, then ceases. One begins to calm down, genuinely. The worst is over. One stands up, if on the ground, straightens their clothes, looks around. One goes to the door. It unlocks. One exits. The end. Oof. Did you imagine this on stage? Yes. I can see it. Ish. I was like, it was like half, half on stage, half on film. I've been doing, I mean, therapy, hashtag therapy, mm -hmm. but like wit <laughs> holding, holding space for and yeah. witnessing your emotions without judging them and also forcing yourself to feel them. Right. Yeah. Like you can't run away. You can't run away from it. You have to just sit there and feel it. Exactly. I love the idea of time, like taking actual time on stage or in a film and having things happen in real time. Mm. That's so fascinating to me, especially nonverbal because conversations of course will happen in real time, but 
having something that isn't truncated. Like a, like medically, a panic attack can last from five to 20 minutes. Yeah. So to see that progression on stage in real time, I think would be cathartic for people with anxiety and also for the character. What was the motivation for the interrupting element of that character? I think it first started as like writing the other character from the perspective of someone who's having a panic attack. Mm. When you're mm. in a place where you're emotionally... You, you're about you're about to tip over the edge. Everything somebody says is too much. Like mm. someone says something and you're like, nope, I, I can't I can't deal with that right now. Or like if everything feels too loud, too obtrusive, and you're like, just get me to somewhere where I can be alone. I think two is not that person. I think that's how one is perceiving mm, two. But Danny, you did a great job with number oh, two. Thank you. That was a challenge there. I was trying to get that right. Graham, do you mind if I go next? I feel like it'll pair well um, okay. off of this one. Yeah, sure. So I wrote this one. My like theme of this week, these past two weeks, has just been learning to kind of appreciate what's around me. So I kind of like leaned into that. Mm. So it's kind of a hopeful, happy non-comedy. I hope, or it'll scare the shit out of you. Um, do you mind, Bandy, if you can just read all of it? All right, cool. Without further ado, this is The Last Time by Toby Mananzen. Last time you breathed in, last time you relaxed, Not rested, but relaxed. Last time you sat down, no backpack, no weight, no trailing errands, no dragging guilt, just you and the sea. Last time you looked around and were grateful. Those dry beans in the pantry, are they a curse or a blessing? Last time you called your parents, or the ones you love that sit tucked comfortably where you keep them in the back of the room? Last time you swam through what you have and what you are and breathed it all in? The families you have? The families you choose? The families you strive for? Last time you saw the love within and around? The mountains and the mice? The stars and the sand? Last time you breathed out? Mm. The end. That's very wholesome. That's very, very wholesome. Oh my goodness gracious. The line, last time you called your parents, or the ones that you love sit tucked comfortably. (gasps) (gasps) (laughs) I love the fact that you bookend it with last time you breathed in, and then with every kind Mm -hmm. of inhale, it's everything that you're thinking about, everything that you're taking in, everything that you're... Sorry, my roommate's cat is screaming at me. I will have to take... Okay, buddy. Draco, my father will hear about this. Go, Potter! <laughs> but uh, to go back to Potter. But yeah, the way that I love the fact that you bookended that with breathing in and then breathing out. A lot of the motivation to feeling this way and thinking this way came from like the end of the pandemic, where all of a sudden I realized like, oh, I can see like this innermost circle of friends. And it was like, oh, I can expand that. Like there are more people in my life that I know and more people that I love and more people that I, I like loved and then promptly just put aside that kind of expand to like, oh God, like everything's really cool. Like everything's really nice. I haven't like appreciated these things in the way that I have. I've just been so busy like moving and surviving through the silence that was this pandemic. Uh, I was trying to get that on the page and I hope, I think it worked. Yeah, it worked. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Cool. All right, Graham, you want to you wanna send us home? Yes, I would. I would like Emily uh, to read this one. It's a short series of thoughts put down to some kind of, I guess, poetic form. Without further ado, this is Here Once by Graham Dickerson. Would you allow this room to take up space in your lungs? Would you acquiesce to the time you would relinquish to be here? Would you accept the fading out, the white noise decorating the seconds between moments? Your every inhale and exhale, a multiverse. I taste the air, permeated with flecks of mirth and anguish. It ends, and you knew it, years ago. 
You laid bare within the confluence of void and form for so long, simply waiting for the next second, the next minute, the next hour. But oh, how you found ways to carve yourself into it, bit by bit, little by little, until there was a phantom of your influence, forever standing by, in legion with every ghost before you, shoulder to shoulder, standing resolute, and waiting for the next second, the next minute, the next hour. The end. Love that. Some beautiful prose right there. It's um kind of a collective of where my thoughts are at in terms of where I'm at with my time that I'm spending left in Austin because I'll be moving in two months. And it's um yeah it's hard and it sucks. And uh it's <sighs> sorry. It's kind of like kind of slowly erasing yourself a little bit like piece by piece mm. and then letting that heal and then doing it again so you can kind of restart and that's really tough and I haven't done that in a while so <laughs> oh man it's it's so frustrating because it's something that I understand that yeah it's something I understand that needs to get done but it feels way harder this time and so a lot of it's just been uh because I'm slowly kind of taking apart my living space. It's just like every day I'm kind of being forced to very slowly dismantle. Um, but in the same way, it's like your influence and the time that you spent living in a place is always going to be there. That time meant something. It wasn't meaningless. And your influence, or rather just the p a person of who you are, I feel like kind of intrinsically populated that space and made it your own for however long you were there for. And that's special. It's just, it's pain and it's, it, um, and it's just kind of working through different ways of how to, how to confront that. Isn't it such a tragedy that people so easily take things for granted that when you realize that you're going to lose it, it all of a sudden feels cataclysmic mm -hmm. that we're not just in a place where we're always like, well, I'm very thankful right now that I have this so that when it's time to let it go, you've kind of ingested it and appreciated it already. Mm -hmm. Emily, you did a fantastic job. I, I thought that you, you nailed exactly the the tone of the intonation that I was hoping you that we would be going for. Thank you for those beautiful words. I'm currently in a state of transition myself. And so it felt like a great way to honor all of the complex emotions of that, that accompany a, a big change and like incoming growth and also reflecting on what happened in the past and missing that and like maybe missing who you were when that happened or whatever mm -hmm. and then accepting that that can't be your future that's your past for a reason and so it felt very like a like a beautiful full way to honor that space in between what happened and what's going to happen next mm -hmm. but with that i think we're going to call that the end of round one <laughs> <laughs> There's this question that has been brought very recently to my attention that always ends up instigating a conversation. What is the most embarrassing injury you've ever suffered? I have an interesting one. It's not it's super embarrassing. I mean, it's a little embarrassing. I studied abroad in New Zealand. There, there's a beautiful part of New Zealand called Bay of Islands. And uh, we stayed at a hostel and the hostel had a hot tub, which is why we chose it. Because we were 21 and idiots, we like didn't think about how drunk we would get drinking in the hot tub. And so we got, oh, I'd go wasted in that <laughs> hot tub. And I, like a dingus, and I thought I was so cute too, because I was like, I have this little bikini, and like there are all these New Zealand boys, it's gonna be great. And I stand up on the hot tub to like strike a pose like you do, and I, Ate shit, <laughs> and a, a nail 
was sticking up out of the ground and it went into my foot. Uh, uh. But I was so anesthetized by what we had been drinking that I didn't really feel it. I only knew something was wrong because both of my friends started to like dry heave. I kind of want to just pull a prompt from that. That's hilarious. <laughs> oh, what about uh, striking a pose? Yeah. From when she talked about getting out of the mm. tub. The second prompt is called striking a pose. We're going to do 15 minutes this time. In three, two, one, go. I can already in my head hear Connor trying to figure out the pun here. <laughs> what, is, what is what is a foot doctor called? Podiatrist. A foot doctor. I almost said a pediatrician. <laughs> <laughs> a pediatrician? Huh? A pediatrician. <laughs> oh shit. Is this a limerick? It's a limerick. <laughs> when you accidentally do a limerick. <laughs> oh, well, this kind of took a really weird, gross turn immediately. Eight more minutes. That's one for every of my sins. <laughs> I like to think I'm funny. Yeah. I like to I think are. that you're funny, too. Thank you. How much time we got left? Your boy's sitting at three more minutes. Quandry's a word, right? Quandry's. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Was that a laugh or a Eurobeat? Parking all those my dumbass is reading work emails. I gotta stop. Tobias, stop working. Oh, yes, ma'am. Have fun. Okay. Okay. My fun is work. I mean, look at this. <laughs> Making a podcast. All right. Anyone want to go first? We can do mine first. Mine, mine is sort of fun fair. So we could do mine. Sweet. All right. Why don't you introduce and cast? I would like... Actually, so there are six stanzas. So if each of you could take turns reading it. Okay. Sure. And let's have the order be Graham first, Benny second, Toby third. Sweet. And without further ado, this is Ethel Mark, A Lovely Story by M. Whitworth. She may be a little too tall, she may be a few years too old, but Ethel McMillan, the nursing home villain, is woefully, wonderfully bold. <laughs> she squawks at everyone near. She drinks only stale Bud Light beer. She's horrifically wrinkly and white shoulders stinkly. She's everything <laughs> little kids fear. All children but one, the nurse's young son. A boy, Mark, age seven or eight. He's enamored with her and her unethical furs, and he thinks, though she's evil, she's great. So every Monday at nine, Mark and Ethel dine in the nursing home's great dining hall. She eats withered old greens, Mark has good mac and cheese, and they talk about things big and small. After they eat, they warm up their feet and put on a crackly LP. They dance in her room to a hokey old tune, and oh, what a sight it's to see. Ethel strikes up a pose, Mark wriggles his nose, they laugh and they joke and they ride. And despite their age, and Ethel's usual rage, they're happy to just be alive. The end. Fun fair indeed. Oh, that was fun, adorable. Fun, fun. I want to grow old and die. <laughs> <laughs> I want to have that kind of relationship with the, with the, with the cranky old bat who's got a <laughs> secret heart of gold. I want to taste the sun with an agitated sciatica. <laughs> I love that you have specified that Ethel is just a, a, not a perfect person. Like, very, can be bitter, can be angry, has her own vibe. Correct me if I'm wrong, because I might be thinking of someone else, but I'm pretty sure it was you. I think it was a few years ago, you had posted a link, uh, or you had posted your thoughts on wanting to see more representations of women in media that allowed women to be, like, not perfect. My favorite thing to see is, like, people that are, by all accounts, like, unlikable and unpleasant to be around. And there's someone out there that just thinks that the sun shines out of their butt. <laughs> exactly. And like, it doesn't have to be a, a romantic thing. It can just be that there's somebody, there's truly somebody out there for everybody. You don't have to make everybody happy. And yeah. some of the most beautiful friendships are when you can accept someone exactly as they are. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Does anyone have anything serious this round? But Graham, did you want to go next? Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I had fun writing it. Um, so it's All called right. the contest. 
so there's only one line of dialogue, and I would like, I would like Bannister to read the dialogue, and Toby, I would like you to read all of the prose, please. All right, and without further ado, this is The Contest by Graham Dickerson. Tony Ginger held the pose for as long as any mortal man could have possibly been expected to, and then he exploded. <laughs> Billy Bellman clenched his eyes shut mere moments before feeling the glistening viscera of Ginger's remains slapped into him with an uncomfortable squelching timbre. He dared not to break his form, lest he follow suit. The contestants stood atop a series of thin but sturdy beams of oak, each erected to stand a towering nine feet off the ground and adorned with five, previously six, men, each holding the position, leaving their balances to the whims of that cold bitch mother, gravity. <laughs> Bellman cracked open one of his eyes, briefly engaging a series of Eskimo kisses to rid his vision of the residue. He peeked around the pillars at the other men, each flecked in varying degrees of organ tissue and life milk. Ew. He scanned over to Hunter Fitzpatrick, who stood barely holding it together on the column beside him. Their eyes locked briefly, and Bellman saw it, the flicker of weakness he needed. Deep down, Bellman hated that it had to come to this, but he also knew that it was either him or them, and picking himself up every time had yielded extremely favorable results. <laughs> he parted his lips while maintaining eye contact with Fitzpatrick, who was glaring fearfully back at him, his eyes pleading, and his legs succumbing to the dreaded shakes. Bellman, without breaking eye contact, took a tactical amount of air into his lungs before unleashing the last words Fitzpatrick would ever hear. Pee poo poo pee, bruh. <laughs> Fitz... <laughs> Fitzpatrick let out a sharp peal of intense laughter, quickly followed by the even intenser spontaneous combustion of his body. <laughs> Bellman grinned as he was covered once more as he thought to himself. Two down, three to go. <laughs> the end. So, Graham, in this sadistic, sci-ass universe, what was blowing them up? <laughs> I have no earthly idea. The only kind of reference that I had in terms of what the hell was going on, and I don't even know if anyone's going to even know what the hell I'm referencing here, but is that really weird comic where it's just like a giraffe standing in front of a bunch of lions, and the giraffe is going like, I am magnificent, behold, and then his head just it just explodes for no reason, and the lion's are like, what the fuck? <laughs> it's like, and it's never explained, and <laughs> I don't know the context of the comic, but uh, <laughs> I was like, well, we'll just craft some kind of like weird Stephen King in the 80s, he's coked out of his head story, where like, what if there's a bunch of people, but they're... They got bombs in them, but they have to hold a position. But they're on a tower, but they're all balancing. It's just like throwing everything in <laughs> the wall and seeing what sticks. Please explain what life milk is. Oh, it's blood. I just wanted to find oh. a creative way of saying blood. <laughs> hey, Benny, do you want to go last or do you want to go next? Um, <laughs> leave it um, up to you. It's, it's, it's lighthearted. Okay, I think if it's lighthearted, we should have it go last. I think that's just the best way to kind of end the podcast. So we'll do mine, which is um, it's called The Yogi. This was actually a bit I had for a short film a while ago. Hmm. Benny, can you narrate? What? And then, Graham, do you mind playing the one character that speaks? Yeah, of course. Uh, Benny, can you read it? Like, uh, the tone is uh, somber. Uh, somber, okay. 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 All right, without further ado, this is <laughs> The Yogi by Toby Menanzen. I spend 23 hours out of my day in my room, alone, covered in beers and blankets, TV on while I sob over her. But one hour every day is dedicated to my only other love. As a yogi, I lead others to enlightenment I only pretend to strive for, like I don't celebrate the bottom of a bottle. Are you asking me to leave the house? Now I'm going to stay right here. <laughs> but now, 
It's time. I brush the granola from my tank top, find the closest, cleanest pair of socks, find my practiced smile in the mirror, and mosey out the door. We start with a seated position on our mats. I call out to the small yet still faceless crowd of seven. They look up to me, but I can only let them down. I'm a fraud, a failure. If she couldn't love me, how can I love myself? My voice shakes as I continue. Start with an inhale and round that spine. And to the best of my ability, I inhale. (laughs) Jesus. It sounded like a car failing to start. And then I heard them. A sea of seven cars failing to start. Oh, God, they're idiots. <laughs> I exhale the same way a dryer sounds when, when there's a toaster spinning around in it. <laughs> Do you know what seven dryers sound like when there's a toaster spinning around in them? I do. It sounds like this. Now multiply that by seven. That's where we are. <laughs> and for the briefest 10 seconds, I felt a part of something, a community that believed in me, that trusted in me. For a flash, I wasn't a heartbroken, scattered mess, but of course I am. I feel the tears welling and have to act fast. Child's pose next, and hurry! I rush to my face-down position, my eyes away from the prodding, laser-focused crowd. And in my comforted silence, I let go. I sob. And in front of me, seven others sob. This time in different paces, different volumes, different reasons. Maybe this isn't so bad. I inhale, I exhale, and I find my next pose to strike. The end. Hmm. Yeah, this is <laughs> this went from being really funny to being really again, really wholesome. It started with this idea, this bit that I had where it's like if a yogi has to cry, they just have to hold the child's pose for like five, ten minutes and no one's gonna like <laughs> question it. So I started there and then it kind of like evolved to like <laughs> I was in my brain, I was thinking like a boss versus a leader and how a leader is just another human being. You don't have to look up to them, just you just you're just following them. And I, I like the idea of like him finding comfort in all these other individuals that that trust in him. The the two things that sort of popped to my mind. The first was I love his dis, the the discovery of this yogi of like thinking he has to go in with a wall up and then real like discovering that he can actually let it let it go. Um, is, yeah. is is so that that's that was beautifully laid out. Um, mm. And then mm. it made me think of the the few times I've been to L A and like taken a weird yoga class as like a participant in the class who who is not a yogi. They could tell me to do anything, and I'd be like, "Okay, yeah, I, I, I paid, I paid thirty-seven dollars to do this twenty-minute class. Like, if you tell me to do triple backflips, I'm gonna try. As long as you take something from it, right? I'll drink, I'll drink this weird tea. What is this kava? Wait, maybe you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't just be drinking weird tea. Yeah, I'll take this black. <laughs> All right, Vanny, you want to send us home? All right, should we call Big Sisters? Graham, could you narrate? Mm-hmm. Uh. Toby, could you read for uh, the Rustin? Okay. Emily, could you read for Nile? With pleasure. And without further ado, this is Big Sisters by Bannister Chava. Nile, Rustin, and Peter looked over the sighing city. Chimneys exhaled smoke into the dying day, and far in the distance, the headlights grew stronger against the slow cover of night that drifted in. Niall looked up at her two friends and wondered what might make them laugh. She got up, 
and struck a superhero pose, one arm extended out into space. Gentlemen? She started. Today we form a pact. A pact? Rustin cocked his head to the side like a confused cat. Peter looked up at Niall. She seemed to radiate in the twilight. A pact, I say. Niall threw her hand out in a defiant gesture against the sherbet clouds. Gentlemen, I am going to the moon and you are going to help me. Rustin and Peter got up excitedly and exclaimed in unison. The the moon moon! <laughs> oh goblin. Let naivety be your guide, my dear friends. She began her speech. As God is my witness, the moon shall be mine. And yours too. Rustin, I will require your wit, Peter, your charm. Who knows what diplomatic quandaries await us in the infinite twilight shade of the twinkling cosmos. The boys got up and cheered their champion on. The sun fell below the sea of brick houses, warm lights, and all the windows grew stronger to ward off the shade of night. The trio marched down the hill to tell their parents of their expedition and the pact they had made. Little Niall marched ahead of her team. The cosmos, gentlemen, settle for nothing less. The end. Ah, so wholesome! That's so cute. Benny, when are you going to write a beloved series of children's books <laughs> that will go on? Because you're so good at this. <laughs> this serves as like the coolest prequel Aww. to some story that I didn't know I wanted. <laughs> yeah. Benny, what inspired this, uh, this trio? Yeah. This trio, um, well, it was the nail, the rusted nail on the foot, right? So nails, Nile. Rust is Rustin, and then pediatrician is Peter. <laughs> <laughs> that is the that is the, the wow. Your brain is magnificent. Do you have an older sister? I do have an older sister. Yes, I have one big sister. Ooh, love it. It's so it's so cute. The like like Toby was saying, like leaders and bosses. Big sisters being the leader. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like I can fight the sun after reading that. I'm ready. <laughs> all right, and that's all we got tonight. Thanks for listening to Write Night. Be sure to submit your responses to our subreddit, r Write Night. Night is spelled N-I-T-E. Or even just come on down to chat. Music by Banisher Trava. And thanks to our guests, Graham, M, and Banny. It was great hanging out with you. I'm looking forward to reading what you whipped up. I'm Toby Menanzen. This is Write Night. And I hope to see what y'all wrote. Thank you. Thank you.